0: Well, it could be uh, just a bit of insanity, but I was looking for something. When I came back from the Peace Corps, uh, I I grew up as a hockey player. And our coaches, you would always say, you know, I'm a Minnesotan. So I grew up skating uh, and playing hockey. Uh, and our coaches always said, don't go skiing because you might get hurt. <laughs> and here yeah. I am separating both shoulders and riveting my face apart playing hockey. And I'm saying like, no, I think I'm going to ski now.
1: This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Solpri. If you're active at all, whether you're running or simply out walking for the day, you've probably experienced one of the number one problems that active people have, and that's chafing. Solpri's all-new, all-natural anti-chafe balm solves that problem while feeding your skin the vital nutrients it needs to be healthy. If you'd like to stop chafing once and for all and treat your body right, Go to solpri.com to check out the anti-chafe bomb today. And That's s-o-l-p-r-i.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host Jesse Funk. My guests today—that is plural, which doesn't happen very often. Actually, I'm not sure if it's ever happened, but I'm glad they're both here. Uh, my guests today start with a Peace Corps volunteer over a number of years. Uh, this gentleman is a cross-country skier. He's completed. Of the American Berkey. It's a roughly 33 mile cross country ski race or 55 kilometers if you prefer to to actually uh, do it in the uh, distance that they like to quote it in. Uh, He's the co founder of Cool Planet and Cool Planet Skiers, which is an organization dedicated to bringing homegrown solutions to climate change in the town of Edina, Minnesota. Also with us is a volunteer at Cool Planet. She is a consultant client advocate, but Also, and this is something we have in common, I talk about from time to time on the show, a game creator now making a, uh, I think, card game, board game, online game kind of thing, which we're going to talk about card game. I didn't know, based on all the components you guys had, what it was. (laughs) And then she also is a big fan of hiking and rollerblading, bringing me back to my childhood, but I'm sure she does it to a more aggressive degree. Welcome to the show, Paul Thompson and Alex Dvorak. Thank you. Nice to be here. That's probably the biggest mouthful I've ever had for any intro, but that's when you both got a lot going on and there's two people, I got to make sure I get through all of it. So I hope I did you all justice um, by by getting it all in. So Paul, um, we'll we'll start with you and then Alex, feel free to jump in. Obviously, Uh, I don't know how well my double person interviewing skills are, but I'll try my best. Um, Paul, can you give a little background on, I mean, how do you get started with the Berkey? I I think I'd heard, you'd heard about it and then just jumped into doing it and got, got addicted. You know, how, how does that come to be? And I mean,
0: why stick with it for 40 years, basically? Yeah, well, it could be uh, just a bit of insanity, but I was looking for something when I came back from the Peace Corps, uh, I... I grew up as a hockey player and our coaches, you would always say, you know, I'm a Minnesotan. So I grew up skating uh, and playing hockey. uh, And our coaches always said, don't go skiing because you might get hurt. (laughs) And here I am separating both shoulders and riveting my face apart playing hockey. And I'm saying like, no, I think I'm gonna ski now. So after five years in Asia, in the Peace Corps, I came home and in my first year of teaching in Wisconsin, I was listening to the radio, and they said, over 2,000 skiers have just skied 55 kilometers through the north woods of Wisconsin. And I said, no way, that's over 30 miles. And I'm with my friend, and I said, let's do it next year. And it started in 73. I didn't ski my first until 1979. I was 31 years old. It took me six hours and 42 minutes. There were long lines. It was really, really an amazing experience. And after after that, it was like, of course, I'm going to do it. And they have a thing with the Berkey uh, called Berkey Fever. And most people ski the Berkey one, and they're done, and they're glad that they're that they've done it. They can put it on their checklist. Mm-hmm. Other people keep doing it. Like there are probably 60 people that have done more than, than I have. Mm-hmm. Although I am getting up into the, the there's a one man, Ernie St. Germain, that has done all 47. Uh, but now with our changing climate, there's no guarantee that the Berkey is going to happen. So yeah. we're working now and changing, uh, being adaptive to if there's not enough snow and their dependency on making snow so I have become a member of the Birch Legging Board, which is Berkey skiers that have completed 20 or more skier, uh, Berkeys. And from the get go, I was raising money for uh, hunger and poverty and micro enterprise. And for the last 10 years, it's been focused on keeping winter healthy and you know, getting people involved in political action and, and lifestyle changes. Uh, that will address, you know, our changing climate uh, with the idea that we actually can do something to save winter, which is, I think, way beyond my thinking. But w- that's what we're trying to do. You
1: know, the the funny thing is that I received an email from my coach that he sent out to all of his athletes this morning. He had no idea I was talking to you guys, and he himself had said something about climate change and how it's affecting even triathlon, which is generally a, a summer sport and he he had mentioned about you know race cancellations and he for a number of years he thought you know maybe they were flukes but as he's starting to see more trends he's like no i think that's probably an indication of of what's going on with you know water being too cold or or rainouts or whatever whatever it is that's happening he sees some kind of correlation there so you know for you the listener it's not just a matter of uh you know Paul's not going to be able to ski anymore because there's no snow, but like it it affects all the seasons. It's not, it's not just a matter
0: of winter's gone, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and we're finding race organizers now, uh, all ski races also have a fat tire component. They have a, a a trail run component. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do family events. Uh, Once the Berkey had enough snow to do half the race, but the kids had to do their race running, down main street in hayward wisconsin so being adaptive is certainly something that they're doing but i think all sports and all sports organizers now are really looking at how do we go coupless you know how do we cut transportation costs people travel a long way to train for cross-country skiing they have to go to upper peninsula michigan which gets used to get 400 inches a year now it gets 200 Mm -hmm. so they still have lots of snow but half in the last you know, 10 years, Yeah. so the changes are dramatic. They're really working fast. That's why the policy issue and the federal policies have to be moving quickly. And that's been our big focus is to get people to connect with with their legislators on a local and a federal and a state level to take action and build partnerships. Something I always struggle with, and I've spoken to
1: a number of uh, climate science type people over over the duration of this show. Uh, one person I think about in particular was Maddie Steer. And I can't remember what episode she was, back in the 50s maybe? She's re- researching uh, nanoplastics in the oceans. And so, I think about you know plastic and how it's affecting the environment because You know, my company uses plastic to produce bottles and stuff. And I'm always looking for, like, a better solution, though I can't seem to find one, at least at my scale, because I'm not a mega corporation. And it's the thing I struggle with is, you know, on an individual level, sometimes I feel small, like, how can I do anything? And so I asked her her opinion on that. She gave it. So I'd like to ask you, Paul, like is as individuals, um, I think you already mentioned, you know, being active and talking to your legislators. Is there anything else we can do to, to be active and, and actually make an impact in this conversation and trying to steer us in the right
0: direction? Hmm. Well, I'll say a couple of things and then I want to loop in Alex because sure. she's got lots of ideas on this. But Catherine Hayho, who is one of the most famous scientists and she's also kind of a communication psychologist She says the most important thing uh, that people can do is to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Keep it at a real simple level. Here's how climate change is impacting me. Here's what I'm doing about it. I've started a garden. I'm doing composting. I'm riding my bike more. I'm carpooling. I'm, you know, all the little things are really, really important and they're not enough. But if enough people do enough little things and share it with their friends and their family, I mean, Buckminster Fuller, who I'm finding out most people don't know anymore, mm-hmm. uh, the great mathematician and thinker said that if you get 6% of any population actively involved, like alarm, yeah. that will draw another 12% of people that are curious and cautious. Yeah. And then you will have a movement that will have its own momentum. And it's kind of like reaching herd immunity. Yeah, you get Enough people talking and doing things Then and that is now happening with climate. COVID is going to move right into climate, uh, and people are going to see that we've done this before on some levels. It takes teamwork, and you know, if we find common ground, even amongst our differences, and that's why we brought in Braver Angels as one of the recipients of the Berkey 40 money Mm -hmm. because they're all about conservatives and liberals finding common ground and not trying to change each other just saying we have to work at this and it's not easy yeah alex anything on that
2: yeah i've got a couple of thoughts about it i've definitely struggled with this as well i think this is extremely common um learning about climate psychology we feel really isolated and this feels really big and so it's very easy to say, there's nothing I can do. Um, and then there's a really big debate about, oh, it's you know individual change or it's system change. And the conclusion that I came to is we all have a role to play. And so I think about this in a couple of ways. Um, individual change works best as a communication, um, and enrollment piece. So if you can make changes yourself and then talk about it, other people that welcomes other people to do so, and then we're all working together. So there's that piece of it. I think individual change just makes us feel a little bit better too. And in alignment with our own values, I'm doing the best I can, Um, to help make these changes and so that that's important to me to act on an individual level Um, and then I also think it's important to note we are not only individuals but we are also other other things other roles so you talking Jesse about I'm a business owner and I can affect this through my business and thinking about how it touches in my business or in the case of um saving snow and folks in, in winter sports, are organizations, um, that are wanting to work together to, for instance, there's an organization protect our winters and people joining together. Hey, we're all skiers. We're all winter sports people. And we care about this. Um, I think about this as well with, I live in a condo and I'm, I'm a homeowner with my other fellow condominium dwellers and thinking about what can we do at our sort of like building level um, what can you do as an organization if you're if you work in uh, a large corporation for instance or even if you work in a small corporation what can you do with your faith community um, your church building for instance um, and banding together so I think we can think about this in concentric circles of, I am an individual and there are certain individual things I can do with me and my family. I am also a member of multiple communities and I affect things and together this can kind of echo out. Um, And so that's how I think a lot about this. And I also just wanna say, I think there's a really important piece of self-forgiveness in this. Um, And I want to bring that out because sometimes it is difficult to find those solutions, you you talked about it with your business and the plastic use and and you can't really find right now those solutions and we're living caught in between this 21st century knowledge that we have that we've got to make these changes, but we don't have some of those yet available. They're coming. They are coming. And that's the really exciting thing, but we're caught right now. And that can be really difficult. So just realizing that and doing the best you can is I think an important piece of just keeping ourselves mentally and spiritually helpful while we're going through this.
1: You know, I have a couple of thoughts. The first is that t- talking about like small changes and doing what you can do. So like, I'm working on, I I mentioned you guys before we started recording a new new sports drink. And so I've I've thought a lot about the the packaging for it. And is there anything I can do? I don't know exactly what we'll end up with, whether it'll be a tub or a bag or whatever. But one of the things that I'm committed to do with this new product, and by the time you're listening to this, it's still going to be months before this product comes (laughs) out. Uh, I I haven't even received R&D samples yet. So be patient. It's coming. But one of the things I decided to do was get rid of the little plastic scoop. It's completely unnecessary. And so, I'm going to be giving away um, really nice, uh, you know, like, teaspoon, tablespoon Mm -hmm. sets to go with, you know, first purchases because most people probably already have them, but I don't, like, I want to make sure it's included so people have it. And it's like, that's a simple, it's a simple thing. Like, we don't need to be throwing away millions of these plastic little scoops every time you get a new powder. Like it's completely unnecessary. So, it, it's like my very very tiny contribution of not you know reduce reuse cycle, reduce the amount of plastic that's been you know being produced in the first place. But to more to your point, Alex, thinking about doing what each of we can, it, it, it reminds me of and I don't say this in the religious sense, though I I did grow up in the Christian tradition, people talking about um, having a different cross to bear. I think that's the thing that came to my mind when it's like we each kind of have different capacities, you know, where it's like, well, me as a small business owner, I can make that decision to say, okay, we're not doing any scoops, and that's a small decision. And maybe somebody who's just a consumer, they don't don't have influence in their job, you know, maybe their decision is, okay, well, I'm only going to buy things that don't have scoops, or I'm going to, you know, go to like a soap refill place instead of, you know, continuing to buy containers. I'm going to walk places or bike places instead of, you know, you, you we each have different capacities. Then there's other people, say, you know, like the CEO of PepsiCo. And maybe they say, okay, we're going to invest in the technology to actually make biodegradable plastic a, a real thing and not just a you know, pipe dream, which it kind of is right now, although there's kind of been some breakthrough stuff on that recently. So I think about it that way. And and like you said, but both of you said that the more we as a global community talk about it, the more prevalent and important the issue becomes to allow us as people that maybe don't have as much direct impact to, to push that idea forward so that the people do have the ability to to make that actual policy change or, you know, private corporation decision, whatever it is, they have that on the forefront of their minds as well.
0: Yeah, there's a power in numbers, and I'm finding since the uh, the, the pandemic, my neighborhood knows each other so much better. Mm-hmm. Every Tuesday night, we went out with a beverage just to toast everyone for a year. Yeah, and once once. The winter came, some people said, let's keep doing it. Uh, and, and now we've got this network and we're doing surveys. You know, what concerns you? Our city of Edina is doing a climate action plan. And so now I have all these new people to say, fill out this survey. You know, Mindy, my wife and I are going to be on the climate action plan. We're actually going to take your ideas and bring them to a larger group of people uh, that include business leaders and young people and people in the city staff, but you know, I'm I'm pissed off that they're cutting down these big trees to put up big homes. You know, we need yeah. a bigger tree ordinance. And of course, everyone's a publisher now with social media. Yeah. So you have a good idea, you put it out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. That's why we're here because Caitlin, our uh, returned Peace Corps volunteer her 16 year old sister got her into Instagram and Mm -hmm. now she's doing Instagram for the Peace Corps and getting all kinds of results. So it's, you know, it's like, keep doing what works, keep trying new things. And you reduce, reuse, we have to rethink, right? You know, we have to start with, you know, being open to maybe I am thinking in an old school way, which is easy for me. I'm 72. So I love working with 20 year olds and 30 and you know, they got the ideas that that we need to be listening to. So putting the youth up front mm-hmm. is a big part of the, the work that we're doing. And I'm seeing as soon as they can run for office, I'm voting for you, you know. <laughs> that's the that's
1: the thing I think among my peers probably struggle with the most is that you know, wanna be active want to make a change, but then it's like the baton hasn't been handed off quite yet. It's like almost there. You can you can kind of see it coming, but it's just not in your hand yet. And I, I feel a, a lot of frustration from people about that. I think sometimes it's hard to, because it is such an immediate need, I think it's hard to think in such long timescales, you know, because even say, you know, what with the average lifespan, something like low 80s here in the US, depending on where you live, you know, as a, I'm now 32, I'm not even halfway through at that point. But even if I was, it's still tough to fathom that whole other 40, you know, and sit here in this very moment. And so I guess I, for, for my compatriots, the people that are my age and younger, if you're listening, it's a game of persistence and patience but i would call it impatient patience where you want to get it done as soon as possible but you're also
0: patient enough to know like it's time's coming yeah it take it does take time to build i mean everything revolves around relationships mm-hmm. and if you're rushing around trying to get things done and you don't take the time to say tell me more about that you know do you have kids you know i I lost my son to suicide. I mean, that was a huge thing in my life. Mm-hmm. And now, everyone, you know, I talk to. I want to know how they're doing. You know, yeah. that's a big question. And mm-hmm. if we take the time to to build, then the trust comes. Mm-hmm. So if we can get Democrats and Republicans to actually have those times when they're not talking about policy, they're talking about their families and getting connected. Uh, that's that's why I like what Braver Angels is doing because it's really you know who are you and why are we here together to to make a difference or not uh, yeah so it's it's, it's 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 like there was a good some type of it's it's an urgency but it's an urgency with with the time to really let it settle in uh, I can't remember what it was but when I heard it I thought oh that's perfect you know something about relaxed urgency.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Alex, how exactly did you get roped in? Did, did Paul meet you somewhere? (laughs) Like how, how did you get, get roped into helping? I mean, relationship is I'm guessing how this happened, given that Paul said, that's, that's the crux of what's going on.
2: Yeah. I reached out to Paul to find out about citizens climate lobby an organization he's alluded to that we both volunteer for. Um, and are deeply involved in that um, is advocating for a price on pollution, a price on carbon pollution, which would be a market-based way to um, to have people to have the price of the real price of carbon put in the market, so that businesses and consumers and organizations can choose. And part of what this organization advocates for is also to return that tax to individual households and families um, as a dividend so that they can weather the kind of changes in price as we make this transition. And so he and I met through that, um, but then um, I don't even know. I think Paul, what is amazing about Paul and what I've learned a lot about from him is to invite and enroll people. So he had this idea, you know, I am going to, for my 40th Berkey, the way that I'm going to celebrate this momentous mark of 40 years is that I'm going to raise $40,000. And he had the vision. And then he just started inviting people. Hey, will you help me? Can you help me do this? You know, and it was really beautiful to see that. Um, and to know, I think sometimes I've thought about like, oh, I have this idea and maybe I have to go it alone, but like inviting and providing a chance for people to work on something is so, it's such a beautiful experience. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for Paul to have invited me to do that. And so we just had the initial conversation and then just started working on, you know, what needs to be done. Um, And one of the things that he also had the vision for is to use the climate change solutions game that I had just kick-started last year as the um, gift for donations because it wasn't just about raising money. It was also about getting solutions into people's hands. Um, and so that just felt like a really beautiful partnership as well for um, uh, are two organizations to support each other in this Berkey Forty project.
0: So then, and of the of the okay. three hundred uh, donors, over a hundred of them have requested the greenhouse game, either online, print and play, or the 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 box set mm-hmm. and I'm going back to the ones who didn't order it and say hey you missed an opportunity <laughs> <laughs> you want to you get it we'll still send them out because the real mission is deeper engagement uh and so now doing these play sessions online are are just great I mean this is something it's a, you'll love the game you're a game guy you know sure. this is this is a game and it's a card and token game so you get to True, play with money, carbon <laughs> Hope and hopelessness, yeah. and you start off in a hole where the sky is mostly negative, and you have mm-hmm. to flip tokens to get the, the clear skies back. And so it's really uh, it, it's it's a fun thing. So come and play next Friday. At least <laughs> <tonight>. <laughs> next Friday, we'll see. We'll see. I've got my I've got my uh,
1: COVID shot on Tuesday. I'm probably not going to feel good on Wednesday, <laughs> which would mean gonna be like driving a ton to get up there by by Friday. No, no, um, on your computer. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to come up. I'm like, oh, it's like nine hours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's all <laughs> online it's right fun. now. Okay. Send yeah. you the invitation.
1: <laughs> okay. We would probably do that next Friday. I've only got one, one recording next Friday, so we can, we can probably fit that in. Um, now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, with thinking about games, I, uh, you know, some listeners will know if, if you've listened to all of the episodes that I also design games uh, for another business. And I, I like to. I've done educational games largely. I I, I like making educational games. They're good games first, and then like sneak in the education. Which is what it kind of sounds like, it, it, just because. People, I I find generally speaking, people just want to have fun, and then if they can get something good out of it on the back end, then that like that's a plus. And you like it's like sneaking in vegetables. Yeah, You, you cooked them in butter, but you also gave them some vegetables to eat. So they got something good and delicious at the same time. Yeah,
0: well, totally agree.
2: That is yeah, how totally. we developed the game. Actually, we yeah, yeah. so my co-creator of the game, um, he really he he brought the, des- the game design experience. So he held that vision of it must be a game that people yeah. want to play. It must be a good game. Um, and then I held the vision of what do I want this game to feel like? And what kind of messages do I want to come do I want to portray through the game, mm. but not even about learning really, but just like, what are the messages? So this is why hope is in the game, because I see a lot of people getting really hopeless right now. Mm-hmm. And that's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we are hopeless that we can do nothing, we will in fact just do nothing. Yeah, And so, so there are elements in the game that are about like, what kind of feeling do we want or what are we playing with here as the elements of the game? Um, And then there are some learning things that can happen outside the game. So all of the action cards are real life climate solutions that people are working on right now. And they're things that are, for me personally, set my imagination on fire. And they're things that people don't typically know about or typically think of. Um, and so we have QR codes on all of the cards, and people are welcome to scan the QR codes or just go to our website, um, greenhousegame.com/solutions, and just look at the solution. So if they want it as an exercise, if they want to later, outside of gameplay um do some learning and exploring on their own that's absolutely like great but we wanted to central we wanted to center the play of the game people have to cooperate against the board to Mm -hmm. cancel the climate apocalypse and so like that's the that's the experience we wanted to give people
1: so I know we're a little shorter on time and it feels so fast because there's two of you. So I'm getting lost <laughs> to answers, no worries. Uh, but I don't want to run you out of time. I want to give you both a chance to answer this. And, and it depends on how long, you know, each of you answer this. So each season of the show, I come up with a question I ask every single guest. So since there's two of you, I want to give you both a chance to answer in your own way. Um, this is uh, Paul, maybe you'll have more experience with this having been older, which by the way, I'm not calling you old, you are younger than my father, so uh, I would say feel good about that. Um, but it's okay. The, I'm embracing my my seniorness. Yeah, he's he's finally he just turned 78 yesterday, so um, he's you know he, he finally is kind of there. He's he's fought against it for a little while, um, but then he's kind of just relaxed a little bit, which has been nice. Um, anyway, so the the question I'm asking everybody this year in the general sense is how do you stay motivated
0: after you fail to reach a goal? It doesn't really happen to me. I mean, I I am I'm motivated. I, I'm I? just motivated. And I, as long if if I am upset about something, I write about it mm-hmm. and I share it with someone, uh you yeah, know, motivation comes from inside. I think I was just born to make a difference. Uh you know, when I was younger, I would read books about Gandhi and, you know, spiritual paths and, and Ram Ramdas and all that stuff. And I said, okay, yeah, I got it. That's it. I'm just going to go and do what I do. And now, in a, as an older person, it's inspiring other people to never give up. That's what the Dalai Lama said. Uh, we're, it's not here anymore, but I moved it. In my second grade classroom, it was like, it was okay to be upset. It was okay to, but it was never okay to give up. And you just, uh, you know, go into your corner or do what you have to do. I mean, coping mechanisms are important to have so you can, you know, recover who you are. But uh, motivation is not a problem for me. Uh, it's uh, it's just, it's, it's a gift to be able to be alive at this time because we are the only ones. That are going to make a difference, and it has to be done in the next 10 years. Uh, and so, you know, stay healthy and be as happy as you can. But uh, find places to recover if you need that. And I spend a lot of time with people close to me, no names, that I will, you know, have to support them in being well and and taking care of themselves. Uh, and I have a lot of older people in my life now that are not. Doing well, and so again, it's that thing of honoring where people where they are in their life's change and their their phase. And right now, uh, it's 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 coming in strong right now with people in my life. So I need to be there for them. So thinking of others it helps a lot, you know.
2: Alex? Well, for me, I have a question that I. I like to situate failure in uh, a moment in time and it's not a permanent thing. So when is failure? That is the question that I ask myself. So um, you might have failed at, at something. We failed at, 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 for the Berkey 40, we failed raising our full $40,000. We didn't quite reach that. But does that mean that we were not successful? No, probably not. But there, there, it was some element of disappointment, right? We, we put out goals so that we can kind of like stretch ourselves and try to try to make that. And sometimes we don't make it. Um, and then it's a matter of like looking at, okay, what did we do? What happened and what might we do next time? So the learning piece for me is always what drives me. Um, and anchoring myself into my values and beliefs and what's important also drives me. Um, And so it's those particular pieces that keep me, um, that keep me going after a failure. Um, And I guess lastly, what I would say is just, um, I, I also let myself lean into the failure for a little bit. So, you know, Hey, this is the day where I'm going to pout about the, the fact that like this didn't happen and that's a real bummer, but then like, it's like, okay, what, what can we do out of this? What, what can we make up? Um, and I think this is actually really key. I want to bring this back around to climate change because where we're at with climate change, we have failed to prevent Some amount of climate change. We've just failed as a species. We are in climate change. We've warmed the planet one degree. Um, And so it's like, we failed. And now we've got to look for the next stopping point. Science is telling us 1.5 degrees. We have the solutions. And so like, let's like go for that next goal then. Like, and that keeps me motivated. There's always something we can save. There's always something we can learn. And um, we need to do that. And that that's what keeps me excited and what keeps me in this work.
0: And it, it is a marketing problem right now. I see mm-hmm. how do we reach the people that aren't engaged? Mm-hmm. And your podcast is a great example of helping people to take that next step you know, like when we work with congressmen, we rate them, A, B, C, D, we're trying to move them from obstinate to, uh, on, uh, you know, all the way up to champion. You know, there's all these different levels where you wanna get people to just take one next step, but how do we reach the people that don't have access to computers, uh, you know, that are living in other countries? I mean, it's a, it's a big deal and we have to really come up with new solutions uh, and I and I think the technology has been given to us as a way to to make that available because racial equity is a key element here of being able to get the brown and black and yellow and all these you know cultures engaged. Not like we have the answers, but I kind of think they have the answers, which I learned in the Peace Corps. I wasn't there to help them; they helped me understand how important it is to to receive from others, uh, so it's 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 a grand uh, it's a grand game. Talk about a game, you know. This one has big stakes. Yeah. Uh, and we do know what to do. Uh, and if you look at uh, Drawdown, the book by Paul Hawkins, you know the hundred most important things that people can do. Everybody can find, you know, a solution that fits them. And in Alex's game, she's got a whole list of solutions for the next edition because we keep hearing, how come you don't have this? What about that? And you know, it's, it's a work in progress.
1: Well, I appreciate you both giving very thorough answers there. Uh, I don't wanna run out of time. So I will not make any comments on, on your, your answers as I'm prone to do. Um, Paul, Alex, where can people see what you're doing, keep up with you? see all the organizations we'll try to keep down in the description wherever you are whether you're on youtube soundcloud itunes hopefully there should be some links to the various organizations that paul and alex have mentioned um but directly if people want to see what you guys are doing where where can they find you i think
0: that alex go ahead
2: i was just gonna say mine's really easy greenhouse game basically everywhere so greenhousegame.com, at greenhouse game on instagram and facebook we're we're slow to get our twitter set up but that is going to happen um so greenhouse game and if you want to email me greenhouse game at gmail.com
0: And I think for for most people, I gave you the four links of the groups that we funded through Berkey Mm -hmm. 40, but the citizens, with an S, citizensclimatelobby.org has 500 chapters in almost, uh, in every state, many, multiple states. And they will train people in how to become good citizens, writing letters, meeting with your members of Congress, developing these relationships between left and right, so that's that that's the one if people are really interested in getting more involved in, in creating a livable world. And then I think BraverAngels.org is just getting going now. They're a new organization. Uh, but if finding common ground and depolarizing our country uh is important, then go to braverangels.org and see you may have to start something in your neighborhood. They're not as widely, but Citizen Climate Lobby promotes braver angels all the time. And then for those Peace Corps volunteers out there, RPCV4, numeral four, EA, environmentalaction.org. We have monthly meetings and we're doing some some great stuff around climate, uh, around regenerative agriculture, around refrigerants. uh, And it's exciting because we have a very particular story about all of us have had this two to three year experience living in a developing country. Uh, so telling our stories is, is a big thing, but everybody has a story, mm-hmm. right? Telling your story is ultimately, that's why we're here, yeah. sharing stories, because that's what's left after we're gone, is the story of our life. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you guys for sharing your story. That's I mean in part what this show is about is giving people like you an opportunity to share your story and the things that you're you know you find important. So thank you both. Um, and hopefully we'll talk again later about the game and, and some other stuff that I'd like to talk about off air. So absolutely take care, guys. please to do thanks that. so
2: much. This has been great, thank you.